Welcome to the Gallipod with me, Gallipasidia. In this episode, I'm reading part six of my fic, Scaredy Cat. If you're not here for dry fanfic, you're in the wrong place. Content warning, this story deals with themes of depression and PTSD. I hope you enjoy Scaredy Cat. Chapter 11 Mimolette, said Draco, passing Harry an orange cheese sample at the farmer's market. When I was a child, I ate a lot of this. My mother was concerned. It's orange, said Harry, because he felt that Draco had possibly overlooked this. Just eat it, said Draco. Harry did. It was delicious. How is your mother? He asked, much later, when they put the flowers in vases. There were a lot of rules about this, apparently. Draco had been horrified when he caught Harry putting four carnations in a pint glass. Sometimes Harry suspected Draco was slowly and secretly working through some sort of finishing school curriculum. My mother, repeated Draco, turning the vase this way and that and adjusting the foliage. Blonde woman gave you the gift of life, is this ringing any bells? Hmm, not sure. Her name's Narcissa, she sent you a parcel full of chocolate last week. Ah, the chocolate gifter, yes, said Draco but didn't actually answer Harry's question. Harry knocked him with his shoulder. Draco dipped his head, then spoke. She was the same as always. Do you two get on? I can't talk about my mother with you, said Draco. Harry sat on the kitchen table. Why not? Because, look, I would never complain to Ron about money, or to Hermione about my mixed-up feelings are a pure-blood culture. So... Because my mother's dead, said Harry. I have many people I can complain to about my parents, said Draco. And it's not you or Neville. Hang on, said Harry. You never spoke to Neville about your parents? Of course not, said Draco. But you were with him for over two years, and your dad is... very much still in your life. Yes, Lucius is resistant, like certain forms of gonorrhea. There, would you put this in the sitting room? Do I have a say in what topics you decide are too sensitive for my traumatised ears? Draco threw him an uncomfortable look. Yes, he said. Okay. So, I don't mind if you complain about your mum to me. I mean, as long as you're not taking it for granted that you have one. Draco vanished the stray leaves with his wand. No, he said, not looking at Harry. I'm very grateful she survived. Harry widened his knees and pulled Draco to stand between them. They were quiet together for a gentle, thoughtful moment. She's just, said Draco, into Harry's neck. Unchanged. They both are. And that makes it very difficult for me to talk to them. Yeah, said Harry, stroking his hand slowly up and down Draco's back. But I imagine it's the same thing Muggleborns deal with. A cultural rift. I mean, not that I shouldn't compare. I only mean... Lots of people have this problem in one way or another, which lessens it, I suspect. Your dad's a dick, said Harry, and, as he had hoped, it made Draco laugh. (laughs) You make him sound like his worst crime is being rude to waiters. I bet he is rude to waiters, said Harry, and Draco laughed again, with this strange, affectionate look, as if Harry had done something especially thoughtful. Harry wasn't sure that he had done anything that thoughtful just criticised Draco's father in a way that didn't feel weighty and miserable. But maybe that was enough. You know, Harry told Pansy, when they went to her house for her housewarming. She had moved in a year ago and had only just finished unpacking. You shouldn't have lied to Draco. He had to stop wearing that cologne. I have no regrets, 
she said. What? What did you tell him about his cologne? That I'd smelled it on four different men I banged, all of whom wore fedoras. Harry was momentarily distracted. You slept with multiple people who wore fedoras? Pansy swept her eyes up and down Harry, assessing him. Oh my god, she said. You're shagging Draco, aren't you? There's no way you know what a fedora is without outside intervention. Harry felt the blood rush to his cheeks. You told him I was going to ask out a girl at work, he said, trying to get back to the point. And let me guess, he trotted straight home to have panic sex with you, she said. Well, that makes it sound horrible, thanks, said Harry. Pansy shrugged. I think panic sex is the only kind he does, she said. Harry thought of Draco that morning, languorous and sinewy, driving into Harry with leisurely thrusts, whispering stupid things into Harry's ear, things like, you're so lovely when you're tired, and I could do this forever, and Harry's favourite, you're better than breakfast. Because Harry knew how Draco felt about breakfast. I don't know, said Harry. So has he fucked it up yet? asked Pansy. No, said Harry, annoyed, and that's a shitty thing to say. Pansy rolled her eyes, and he noticed that her pupils were too wide. She was on something, although he wasn't sure what. Well, watch, she said. He will. He's not right in the head. Unlike you, said Harry, and then regretted his nastiness, because her shoulders hunched and her head drooped, and she said so quietly that it was hard to hear. Yeah, unlike me. Are we going somewhere? asked Harry one evening. Draco was putting on his jacket, his fingers paused on one of the zips. Yes, I am. Oh, sorry, I shouldn't have assumed, said Harry, and went into the kitchen. Draco followed him a moment later, lounged in the doorway, long, long legs and black jacket and sweeping hair. Um, said Draco, I'm going to a restaurant. Harry took off his jumper, suddenly boiling up with panicky heat. Got a hot date? he asked. Draco laughed, sounding genuinely surprised. <laughs> in a sense... He paused. I'm going alone. Harry looked at him properly then. Draco put on eyeliner, and he looked terrified. You're dressed up, said Harry. Makes me feel more confident, said Draco. Tell me not to go and I won't. Harry shook his head. No, he said. Go have dinner by yourself. Draco scowled. I knew you would say that, he said. Alas, my last hope. I'll be here when you get back. A small and worried smile. Thanks, said Draco. When he came back, a short hour later, he put on the collar without a single word and spent the rest of the evening as a kitten. The weather was getting warmer and he was shedding. His fur got everywhere, but Harry didn't mind. He took the kitten's paw in his hand, pressed on the little pink pads. The kitten didn't purr much that night, but he stayed close to Harry, and Harry did his best to show that that was okay. Draco started going out alone a lot more after that. Sometimes he was fine when he got back. Other times he was silent for hours after, and when he spoke it was only to start horrible conversations. Were you glad when Crab died? he asked. Do you think it's fair that I didn't go to Azkaban? he asked. Is my rent so cheap because you're fucking me? he asked. Harry tried to see beneath the question to the fear. No, he answered, and... I don't know what's fair, but I'm glad you didn't go. And your rent is cheap because this place is a shithole, but I'll gladly take more money if you want. Meanwhile, the newspapers were gearing up for the anniversary of the Battle of Hogwarts, and something shifted terribly in Harry's head. He tried to ignore it. Are you all right? asked Draco. They were at the pub with a huge group of friends. 
Even Parvati and Lavender, who didn't seem to like them any more and only hung out with muggles. Yeah, said Harry. You're staring at that packet of crisps like it's still your girlfriend, said Draco. Harry pulled his gaze away, rubbed lights into his eyes. Just tired, he said. Let's go home, then, said Draco. You stay, said Harry, because Draco had been laughing all night and telling stories and generally having a typically good Draco time. What are you two muttering about? asked Ron, across from them. Now Harry thought about it, it was surprising that Draco had chosen to sit next to Harry at all. He was so nervy about anyone finding out about them. He made jokes about Harry's BDSM exploits, but he didn't stick to Harry's side. He tended to butterfly around, although he often came back to whisper things to Harry, as if they were secretly tethered together. But today, unusually, he had sat next to Harry. Harry wondered what it meant, or if it meant anything at all. Housemate secrets, said Draco. None of your business. So weird that you guys are housemates, said Ron. Do you fight all the time? All the time, said Draco. Naked, in mud. Imagine that, Ron. Gross, said Ron, and changed the subject. See you, said Harry into Draco's ear, and slipped away. Grimmauld Place was calm and empty, and Harry paced from room to room, wearing his heart out. When Draco finally got back, he took one look at Harry and ran him a bath. I don't need a bath, said Harry. You're filthy. Get in, said Draco, and Harry obeyed. Draco sat next to him on a little stool, telling him all the gossip he had picked up at the pub. Harry closed his eyes. The water was so hot that it made him feel dizzy. Are you asleep? asked Draco. Harry shook his head. Just tired, he said. So Draco helped him out and wrapped him in a huge bath towel, rubbed him dry and kissed him neatly on the lips. Harry fell asleep while Draco was still getting ready for bed. When he woke up briefly in the night, the kitten slept in the crook of his knee. Later, Harry would remember that night, and wish he had been able to keep it, to capture it. They had sex the next morning. Draco was a little hungover, loose and sleepy. I love you, he said when he came. Then he rolled off Harry and hid his eyes with his forearm. He had covered up the mark with a swirling black tattoo of a sinking ship, but he would never let Harry look at it properly. Harry wanted to study it, to figure out how the artist had transformed the skull into something new, something equally but differently morbid. We don't have to talk about it, said Harry, after a long silence. I think we should just be friends, said Draco. Harry shut his eyes. He wasn't even surprised. Or he was, but only at his own foolishness. Has he fucked it up yet? Pansy had asked, and Harry had been so sure he knew better than her. Draco... Don't do this. You said we could be friends. You said to tell you if I changed my mind about wanting... what we've been doing, he said. Harry pulled the duvet up to cover himself. I know, but... So I've changed my mind, said Draco. Because you're in love with me, that's not a good reason to break up. It's not a breakup, said Draco. We weren't together. We were just fucking around and I want to stop now. Have you forgotten that I love you too? Draco tilted his head to look at the ceiling. No, he said. I'm sorry if I'm hurting your feelings. My feelings? Fuck, Draco, you'd just take a chance on us. Draco lowered his head to look at Harry and gave a quick smile. You know I'm a coward, he said. You're not, said Harry. You can do this. We can do this. We're good together. Draco! He got out of bed and tried to take hold of Draco, but Draco stepped back. 
can talk me into staying, Harry, but it won't be because I want to. Harry's heart gave a horrible jerk. He made a helpless, desperate gesture with his hands. I just... I love you. I want to be with you. Draco's eyes went blank. Okay, he said, his voice hollow. I'll stay then. Harry went back to the bed and put his head on the pillow. Draco sat next to him and placed his hand on Harry's shoulder. I shouldn't have said anything, he said, in that same hollow voice. No, said Harry. Of course not. He turned his face to Draco and tried to smile. You're right. Let's just be friends. Draco stared at him silently, his lips tight. Okay, said Harry. Draco frowned, blinked several times, then said, Thank you. And then he left, his steps jerky and wrong, and knocked hard into the edge of the doorway as he fled. Chapter 12 Neither of them mentioned Draco moving out. It was obvious he should, and Harry could tell Draco knew that because he kept doing ostentatiously good housemate things like buying a year's supply of loo roll or gardening. But Harry was beginning to crumble, had been crumbling before Draco ended things. It made it easier to handle the Draco situation, because he simply didn't have the room to think about it, not when he felt as if weights were attached to all his limbs, as if his head was drowning, as if he couldn't quite control his hands. Draco was unobtrusively helpful through it all. They didn't talk. They couldn't seem to look at each other. But when Harry blanked one evening at the pub, all the sounds blurred together and his eyes prickled and there was something he couldn't swallow in his throat and nothing had happened, nothing, only that Dean had mentioned that he and Seamus were going to the anniversary event at Hogwarts. Draco got him a glass of water. Maybe he was going to get him water anyway. Harry didn't know. But in the moment it had felt kind. When Harry stopped remembering to eat, Draco showed up at his work at lunchtime a few times a week and took him out to restaurants. Work going well? he asked. Yeah, said Harry. And then, twenty minutes later, when he remembered the rules of conversations, work going well for you? Draco smiled. Yeah, he said, and took Harry out to lunch the next day, too. Go shower, he told Harry, when Harry hadn't for five days. I'm tired, said Harry. You'll be glad you did. Since Draco was usually right about that sort of thing, Harry obeyed, and felt much better afterwards. At lunch, a few days later, Draco cleared his throat. Harry was so used to them being perfectly silent that he had almost forgotten Draco was there, and was bewildered to find Draco looking at him. Well, at his left ear. Draco seemed unwilling to make eye contact. I can move out, said Draco. Harry's thoughts were slow. Okay. It's just... Draco frowned at his plate. Well, you seem a little, um, tired lately. So I was thinking, I'm up for a promotion at work and if I get it I'll be travelling a lot for several months. Harry tried to follow what he was saying, but it was hard because his stomach ached. Different parts of his body were always hurting, and he had given up trying to figure out why. It was probably all psychological anyway, which made him feel stupid. I could stay with you until I find out about the promotion, said Draco, if you want. But I can also leave. It's up to you. Leave? Draco finally looked at him. All right, he said. That settles it. And he stayed. A week went by before Harry understood what Draco had told him that day at lunch. A week of losing whole hours. He would startle and realise he'd been staring unseeingly at something and wasn't sure how long it had been. Of going to the bathroom just to gasp. 
of Colin Creevy begging Harry not to leave in his dreams. One day, he was visited by such a brutal and nameless rage that he could barely keep his teeth from chattering as he handed his mended, cursed objects to the archives. When he got home, he swept all the books from the shelves, threw half of them in the fire. For no reason. What had the books done to him? What had anyone done to him who was alive and punishable? Nothing, 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 and Harry broke the framed photograph of Ron Hermione and him at Hermione's 21st birthday party, and he broke the ceramic pig Luna had given him to help with spiritual decay, and he smashed his fist into the glass case of a curiosity cabinet. No, he didn't, because something stopped him. Draco stopped him. It took Harry a second to notice, because the connection between his brain and his body was so faulty these days. But Draco was holding his arms back, and Harry stopped struggling when he understood what was going on. Once Harry was still, Draco stepped away. Please don't hit me, said Draco, and the rage worsened, or became something else, something wilder and sadder and more like grief. I will never hurt you, said Harry, seizing Draco by his face and pulling him close. Not for a kiss, just close. Okay, said Draco, resting their foreheads together. Just breathe with me. So Harry did. In a little while, he wasn't angry anymore. A little while after that, he realised that he was hideously embarrassed and dropped his hands away from Draco's face. Sorry, he muttered. I was thinking Chinese. What do you fancy? asked Draco, as if nothing had happened. Harry wasn't sure how he felt about Draco's easiness. Maybe it implied that nothing Harry had done was out of the ordinary. Maybe it was self-pitying to think that his wave of uncontrollable fury had been a form of suffering. He wished distantly, that Draco would ask him something, anything. But Draco never did. Draco put on the radio. It was some sort of play, and he kept laughing. It was soothing, like being held after a fright. When Harry went back into the sitting room a few days later to clean up after his humiliating temper tantrum, it was all in order. The framed photograph of Ron, Hermione and him was back in its spot on the chimney piece. The ceramic pig was on the bookshelf, still preventing spiritual decay, although half the books were gone. Draco evidently hadn't been able to save them from the flames. It wasn't impossible magic, but Draco never went near fire if he could help it. It occurred to Harry that Draco hadn't been using the kitten collar since they broke up. They had slept in separate bedrooms every night, and Harry knew Draco couldn't keep away when he was a kitten. He wondered, briefly, how Draco was managing so much time alone. But Harry's sadness was at such a pitch just then as to be fundamentally selfish, and he couldn't think beyond himself for long. It was that night that he realised what Draco had meant at lunch. When he'd said he would stay. When he'd said that Harry seemed tired. It was late, past two in the morning. Different dream this time. Just a knife flying through the air. In the dream that was all that happened, which Harry recognised was not actually cause for distress. Still not a nightmare, just a dream. But within the dream, Harry knew where the knife was going. Knew what it would pierce. And he watched, unable to move, as the knife flew, flew... When he woke up, he couldn't remember who the knife was bound to kill. Dobby, he supposed. It didn't matter. The knife hadn't killed anyone in any way, it was just a stupid dream. But Harry's heart pounded as if he had really just seen someone murdered. His whole body was cold with sweat. He pressed his hands to his head, almost wishing his scar would hurt so the pain would focus him. That was when he realised. Draco was staying at Grimmauld in case Harry needed him. Perhaps he should have realised it earlier. It seemed obvious now, but the thought came upon him like a sudden release, and his tears subsided enough so that he could breathe. He could talk to Draco. That was why Draco had stayed. 
Draco was waiting for Harry to ask for help. Harry stumbled out of bed. Maybe he was wrong, maybe this was a bad idea, but the notion that Draco was so nearby and so potentially ready to comfort made it impossible for Harry to resist seeking him. Hello, said Draco, when Harry knocked. He sounded sleepy and confused. Harry let himself in. Hi, uh, can you talk for a minute? said Harry. He'd intended to be casual and not give off a weeping into his sort of ex's bedroom in the middle of night sort of vibe, but his voice gave him away. Come here, said Draco, sounding much more awake. The room was dark. Harry followed Draco's beckoning hands and climbed into his little single bed. Draco slid his arms around him, tucked Harry's head into his chest. What is it? Harry just cried. Oh, my love, said Draco, softly kissing Harry's hair. Dear Harry, you poor sorrowful thing. He didn't try to talk to Harry. He ran his hands over Harry's back, through his hair, kissed his forehead and his eyebrows. Darling, he said. Harry cried until he was no longer vibrating with misery, until his spine stopped shivering, until the horror had subsided. Where did it go? It seemed to live in him, in his blood, like malaria. It seemed incurable. Sorry, said Harry when he could speak. Draco kissed his forehead again. You must think I'm pathetic, said Harry, pathetically. I will never think that of you, said Draco. No one else is fucking... Everyone else has moved on. I'm the only one who... It wasn't even a fucking nightmare. I'm just losing it, and everyone else is fine, said Harry. Draco didn't say anything for a while which Harry took to mean he was rethinking his position on Harry's patheticness. Lee Jordan told me once that George regularly has him take polyjuice potion with his hair in it, and Lee pretends to be Fred, said Draco. What? Makes Lee feel like shit. But George says it helps, said Draco. He tilted Harry's chin up so that they could look at each other. No one is fine, Harry. Ron and Hermione, Draco shook his head. They think you cope with the war by not talking about it. They don't want to bring it up in case they send you spiralling. But they're having such a hard time, Harry. And they miss you like mad. Harry couldn't take it in. They've said that. Draco nodded. I've wondered what you and Ron talk about, said Harry. You, mostly. But he's not... He's not falling apart, said Harry. I'm... I feel like I can't stand it sometimes. And it's so pathetic when... It's not. No, I'm... I just mean when I was 17 I took everything that came at me and now I'm in my mid-twenties and I can't handle just life. Draco stroked away the tears with his index. You're going to be so fine, Harry. Anger erupted in him like an explosion, wiping him out. A catastrophic, claustrophobic anger that Draco didn't understand, that Harry wasn't fine, that he would never stop startling at fireworks, that the Harry he had spent half a life learning to like was gone and now all that was left was this slow and broken replacement. Yeah, he said, furious. Is that what you told yourself when you joined the Death Eaters? Draco's hand stilled in Harry's hair, and the anger disappeared. It was like a fire going out. All the light and clarity vanished, leaving behind only the miserable knowledge that he had hurt Draco. Sorry, said Draco, humble and penitent. That was stupid of me. No, I, I didn't mean to say that said Harry. Draco was so stiff beside him. He took his hands away from Harry and tucked them close. 
There was a respectful space between them now, as if Draco wanted to get out of the bed, but was too polite to leave without permission. It's fine, he said. Fair game. Great way to win an argument with me, actually. Never used to do that when we fought, and do know he won every time. He didn't sound bitter, only rather distant. Shouldn't have said it, I'm sorry, said Harry. I'm sorry I'm not the right person for you to talk to, that's all. Shall I call Ron and Hermione? You are the right person, said Harry, reaching for Draco's hand, and Draco let him take it. But Harry didn't know if he wanted to be touched, or if he was simply and choicelessly giving Harry what he wanted. I will never do that again, said Harry. It's not a big deal. I was a Death Eater. It's quite natural you remember that when you remember the war. I'm not saying I'll never want to talk to you about it again, but if I do, I'll ask you and set a time and have a conversation with you. I promise never to just hit you with it like that, said Harry. Draco's eyes were lowered. He smiled. That's very generous, but I think you'll find that anger and resentment are difficult emotions to conceal, he said. I don't resent you, said Harry. Is that what you think? How can you ever relax around me if you think I secretly resent you? Draco raised his eyes and gave him a steady look. Oh, said Harry. You don't relax around me. Harry, I'm no good at talking to your side about the war. I always made things ten times worse for Neville. May I make a suggestion? I'm sorry I fucked up, said Harry. I wasn't even thinking about you when I said that. I just... You could wear the collar. It doesn't fix anything, but sometimes it's nice to get out of your head for a while. Might help you sleep. Harry put his hands to his face and sobbed. Oh, Harry, said Draco, sounding so upset, and his hand touched Harry's shoulder, lightly, uncertainly. Harry pushed himself into Draco's arms, and Draco held him, but it wasn't like before. He was awkward, clearly uneasy about touching Harry more than he had to. Okay, said Harry, finally. Yeah, uh, let's try the collar thing. I know it's at the very least a weird coping mechanism, but, said Draco, and Harry managed a small laugh. Draco came back with the collar. Harry sat up and bared his neck, but Draco wouldn't look him in the eye no matter how hard Harry stared. Kitten, thought Harry. That was part six of Scary Cat, written and read by Galapacidia. Tune in next week for part seven. You can join my newsletter if you like at newsletter.gallopod.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating and a review on the Apple Podcast app, or maybe tell a friend who you think will like the show. I also have an Instagram at letthemeetbooks with underscores instead of spaces, where I post reviews of the books I read. So do say hello on there. Thank you for listening.